Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the SF Young Professionals Book Club podcast. Now, our book this month is Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And uh, I just want to start up by saying that we are going on hiatus for two months after this, and we'll resume in March because I'm going out of town. And so this podcast is also going to be short and sweet. We're just going to recap the top three moments at the discussion. So without further ado, let's start with moment number one. This is from one of our members, Daniel. You know, um, when Jeevan goes to the store and takes all those shopping carts, you know, even already knowing what the book is about, I was like, whoa, dude, seriously? One thing we thought that the author did really well was create this really realistic sense of how the modern world would treat this coming of the apocalypse. So most of us have this very heavy inertia and, you know, a good dose of skepticism about the apocalypse actually coming so that when it actually came down to it, we probably would still be like, no, this can't really be the end of the world. And she does that really well in the scene with Jeevan in the grocery store, as Daniel mentions. Although this novel may not be written by an experienced science fiction writer, and some of our members thought that she told more than she showed, we did appreciate that she created a new type of post-apocalyptic novel. And what I mean by that is that she doesn't focus on the unethical technology that leads to the end of the world, nor does she focus on the horrific totalitarian regime that humanity morphs into after the end of the world. But she specializes in these sort of flashbacks and flash-forwards between the modern world and the destroyed post-apocalyptic world. And she brings into relief the contrast between what are the things that we take for granted in both societies. For example, all the digital distractions we have in the modern age and people being high-functioning sleepwalkers, as she calls them, versus the post-apocalyptic world where you always have to be on your guard and in the present moment. And you find amazing joy in simple discoveries such as an abandoned house or the discovery that some society somewhere has restored electricity. And there's an easier path to finding meaning in life, for example, as the curator of a small museum or someone who's a half-trained paramedic can gain lots of respect as the only legitimate doctor for miles around. You know, that's the sort of post-apocalyptic novel this is. Now on to point number two. Although this novel has a very literary premise, being about a traveling Shakespearean troupe in the post-apocalyptic world, some of us felt that the novel was written at more of a young adult level. And by that we mean that a lot of the plot points were quite obvious and not very subtle. Um, for example, one of the mysteries was the identity of the prophet, and she kept reminding us that the prophet's dog's name was Luli, which was also the name of the dog in the Station Eleven comic as well as Miranda's dog, so that made it pretty obvious who the prophet was. Another clue, like the paperweight that Kirsten owns, was also brought up repeatedly. And for the more mature readers, we were like, yeah, we got that clue the first time you dropped it. Another thing that some people found implausible was the fact that the main character, Kirsten, threw these knives, and that seemed like a nod to the Hunger Games. 
So it added a bit of action in there, which made the plot really fun and exciting for most people. But those who came to this novel hoping for literary fiction were a little disappointed. The third point we discussed was the role of art and artists in this post-apocalyptic world, which of course makes us think about the role of these things in the context of our normal world as well. So there are many types of artists in this book. Arthur is a Hollywood actor, and the traveling troupe are obviously actors and musicians as well. And Miranda, Arthur's first wife, is a comic book artist, and her ex-boyfriend is a painter. So one of the things that we talked about was why have Arthur be such a specialized occupation, like a Hollywood actor? First of all, I suppose it's one of these things that seems pretty useless in the post-apocalyptic world. And we also talked a bit about how life would be different if Arthur had survived the apocalypse. For one, we thought that Tyler probably would have had better parental guidance and perhaps not ended up being this murderous religious fanatic. But another possibility might be that Arthur's global fame might have turned him into this sort of widely respected and even worshipped idol figure and he might have actually turned out to become the new prophet character. So we had a lot of discussion about all these things and I won't be able to summarize it all here, but it's something to think about as you read this book. So that's it for this month. I'll leave you guys with a couple of bonus clips which I thought were great from our discussion. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. What happened to the Amish, I guess? It's like, they're already, they're already made for this, right? It's like, what a It's like, oh, no electricity? It's like, It's also like, like nomads in like Mongolia. It's like, the Amish are like, this is our chance. They're the real prophets. <laughs> like after reading this book, I felt like I am never gonna say like things happen for a reason ever again. It seems like it seems like an empty platitude sometimes. Like no, actually, oh, like someone read this right over. Things happen for a reason. I've never. And I'm thinking like, you know, if I was on the receiving end, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> really? Like my kid was run over because like there's a grand plan. It involves me with a dead kid. <laughs> 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 <laughs>